He doesn't promise us uh, escape from this life when we put our faith in him, but when we act on his word, when we take him at his word and believe, we build our lives then on the foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. And so I can't help but point that out because as I come to the last, the angel even underlines it for us. Hey, he's not here. He's risen, just like he said. Now, back in our text, verse seven, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Go quickly and tell. Welcome to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Today we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott brings a message titled, Go Quickly and Tell. We invite you to follow along with us now as we get started. The Sermon on the Mount is called that because he gave it up on a mountainside. And it is in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. And when it's over, when he's finished, notice the result, verse 28, was that when Jesus had finished these words... The multitude, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as their scribes. When Jesus had finished these words, and it's interesting, he uses the same term that we celebrated just a few weeks ago when we were looking at the cross. And the scripture says, Jesus said, it is finished. It's accomplished. It's over. It's done. Well, now, when Jesus had finished these words, now, in context, he's saying when he finished his sermon, okay? And uh, I want to look at that with you, but I also want to say he has finished his words. Also, we have the whole Bible. And the last page of the Bible says, now, don't add anything and don't subtract anything. God has given us everything we need. He's finished his words, and the, res the response to his word means everything. He has said it. He's going to do it. He's risen from the dead, just like he said he would. Well, when he'd finished these words, you say, Scott, are you taking that out of context? No, take a look at it with me. Verse 28, when he'd finished these words, what words? Well, glance backwards to verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man who built his house upon the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and yet it did not fail, for it had been founded upon the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine, verse 26, and does not act upon them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and burst against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Jesus compared our lives to building, and we are building our life. And he said, it's like building a house. And if you hear my word and act on it, you're wise, you're building on a rock that will not crumble. And if you hear my word, and by the way, notice both people, both men, hear God's word. The only difference is one acted on it and one just heard it. 
The one who hears it and doesn't act, he's like a fool. He builds his house on the sand. And notice both lives, no matter where you live, no matter how you live, no matter when you live, there will be rains, there will be winds, there will be storms. He doesn't promise us uh, escape from this life when we put our faith in him. But when we act on his word, when we take him at his word and believe, we build our lives then on the foundation, the rock of Jesus Christ. And so I can't help but point that out because as I come to the last, the angel even underlines it for us. Hey, he's not here. He's risen just like he said. Now, back in our text, verse 7, go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. Go quickly and tell. When, by the way, can I just say, when you first come to understand that Jesus Christ rose again for you, when you put your faith in Christ, go and tell others. This is the best news you'll ever hear. If someone had entrusted me with the cure to cancer, I'd tell people, wouldn't you? It's good news we've got. Jesus conquered death. I was reading uh, the last two pages of the Bible this week. And it says, because of Christ's resurrection, he's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's a lot of pain in Portland. There might be a lot of pain in your life. There's coming a day, if you know Jesus Christ, that he'll wipe away every tear, every remnant of sin and guilt and all the things that brought death. It'll be washed away completely. In the meantime, we've got his word on it. You say, are you sure about that? Yeah, he said it. It's as good as done. He raised himself from the dead, just like he said he would. The angel, when he left, the angel said, where are you guys standing looking into the air? He's coming back, just like he said he would. He'll be back. He'll be back. Well, go quickly and tell. I, uh, I want to just underline that because the angel said to these gals, go quickly and tell, and they did. And uh, there is something about it. I knew Christ quite a while before I began to tell others. And I lived in kind of a turmoil inside because I wanted to tell others, but I was kind of afraid. And I let fear win out. And when I started to just push through that fear and obey what were commanded in Scripture to tell others, it was freeing. And I love to see it. I, right now, there's a 16-year-old in my life, and he has come to understand this gospel, this good news, and he's telling others. And it's transforming the way he lives and the way he's, he's a very pleasant 16-year-old to be around, let me tell you. And I was thinking of a friend of mine who was 63 when he came to Christ. And at the time, it was, he was way ahead of me. And at the time, I thought, 63, you got one foot in the grave, you know. Some of you guys are 63, and so you're saying, not yet. But he he was 63 when he came to Christ, and he had just retired at 63. And he decided to not turn the television on. I still remember him talking about this, because he's long since home with the Lord. The Lord gave him 22 more years, by the way, 
from 63 to 85, but he said, I'm not going to turn the TV on. And he just got the, in those days, there were yellow pages, you know, the phone book. <laughs> he didn't just Google. He, he looked in the old yellow pages and he found that he, there were retirement homes that he could go and visit. He phoned and said, could I come? And they, they were a little shocked. And they said, yeah, yeah, sure you can. Well, he started visiting people. And he just started telling them what he knew about Jesus. And he didn't know much. He'd gone 63 years without knowing him. But he was learning quickly as he was excited about knowing Christ, found out that Christ was alive. And he started telling people and gradually started telling me stories about leading others to Christ. And for 22 years, he had a very fruitful ministry. Go quickly and tell what you know about this risen Savior. Well, they obeyed. Verse 8, they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. I'll tell you, they had a certain fear, but you know, fear in the Bible is not always negative. Uh, the angel said, don't be afraid. They were fearful, but it was, I believe, that fear of the Lord, that positive fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So they departed with fear and great joy. And if you know Christ, you know what I'm talking about. When there's a fear of the Lord, it's coupled with a great joy. And that's what they had as they went to tell others about Jesus. Peter, uh, late in his life, he wrote this. Though you have not seen him... You love him. And though you do not see him now, he was writing to people who hadn't seen Christ, just like you and I. Peter saw him. Peter saw him dead, and he saw him raised from the dead. And he was blown away. He was there when Thomas said, I saw him die. I'm not believing it unless I see it. Unless I can see the holes in his hands. And Peter and the other guys said, no, we saw him. He's alive. Thomas said, I don't believe it. Well, the Lord came, you remember, and showed him his hands and his side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to all of them standing there, and I don't know if they were standing. I think Thomas was on his face, my Lord and my God. But Jesus said to them, you know, have you seen and believed, Thomas? That's good. Happy. Happy are those, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. John 20, 29. And people ask me, well, Scott, how can I want to see it and then I'll believe it? How can I? And then he goes right on in John 20 and says, not only happy are those who don't see and yet believe, but he said these things, Jesus did a lot of other things that I haven't written here, but these things have been written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and that believing you'll have life in his name. And that's exactly what happened in my life. And if you know Christ, that's what happened in your life. So Peter writes late in life, this is 1 Peter 1.8, he says, though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. I think of that when I see these women. They saw him, and they went 
to tell others with great joy. And behold, Jesus met them, verse 9, and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Do, do you? Do you worship Jesus Christ? I ask people that who tell me that they believe about Jesus, but they, I ask them, well, do you worship him? There's kind of a shocking element to that in my mind because the Bible says, do not worship anyone but God. I mean, the Ten Commandments start there, right? I'm God. Don't you have any other gods before me? Don't you worship any? Don't even make gods, you know, don't even form gods. I'm, God is a jealous God. He wants worship. And when John fell before the angel on the last page of the Bible, he was so blown away by what the angel had shown him about Jesus Christ that he fell to worship him. And the angel said immediately, get up. I'm a fellow servant of worship God. And Jesus Christ is God. That's where Matthew started, remember? I want him named Emmanuel, God with us. And so today, I worship a man. I hope you do too. Uh, don't worship anyone else. God is very serious about this matter of worship. Well, then Jesus said to them, get up. No. He never rebuked worship. Have you seen me and believed, Thomas? When Thomas said, my Lord and my God, Jesus didn't rebuke him. He said, that's good, Thomas. Blessed are those people in Portland who've never seen and yet believe. Here, he says, not get up. He accepted the worship, and he said, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. I talked about it last week, so I won't belabor it. But Jesus' first words to them were the same as the angels, weren't they? Look at verse 5. The angel said, don't be afraid. Jesus here says, don't be afraid. I, uh, I was writing this morning just a little summary of the Bible, how it begins in a fitting way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it closes in a fitting way with a new heavens and a new earth. And so I was looking at the start of the Bible and the end of the Bible. And uh, let me just turn over to Revelation. You can too if you want to. The last book of the Bible is so fitting to uh, just look at what happened. Uh, Jesus said to these disciples, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is a theme of his, the resurrected Christ. John got a revelation of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 1 of, of chapter 1, Revelation 1.1, 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his, his bondservants. John was given a revelation of Jesus Christ. He describes him in the first chapter, and I won't take the time, but it's a magnificent description of Jesus. And John who knew him well, when he saw him in his resurrected glory, look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as a dead man. 
And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last, and the living one. And I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. I hope you know him as your Savior. I hope you know the lack of fear the joy, the peace in knowing this resurrected one. Don't be afraid. Well, verse 11, back in our text, while they were on their way, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. Remember, they'd set this Roman guard and uh, these guys came into town and uh, reported to the chief priests, the Jewish religious authorities, who had said, this deceiver, guard that tomb. Give us a guard, Pilate. Well, they came and they reported to the chief priest what had happened. There was this earthquake. We saw this man looked like lightning, man. It was like nothing we'd ever seen. And they come and tell them. And when they had assembled with the elders and counseled together, verse 12. Now remember, these are religious leaders. They got the elders, the chief priests. They counseled together. They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, here's what you're to say. His disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we'll win him over. There's more money around here and we'll keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Now here you have, right at the beginning, one of the several foolish, foolish answers to the resurrection, theories of what happened. The disciples came and stole his body away. These disciples were busy denying him. They fled when they came to arrest him. Peter hung around just long enough to be proverbial in his cowardice. They were all that way. They're going to have the guts to come steal his disciples away and break through Roman soldiers and a seal. And I don't think so. But... People make that a theory. Well, his disciples stole the body. Because you see, there is no body. There's an empty grave. Look over at Acts 2. Acts 2. When Peter stood up, emboldened by this great truth, in the same city, about 50 days later, he said to this same crowd of people, you killed him, God raised him from the dead. And I'll just uh, look at verse 29. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David, because he just quoted the 16th Psalm where David had said, speaking of his son, the Messiah, that he will not allow his Holy One to undergo decay. His body will be killed, but he won't undergo decay. And he says to the city of Jerusalem, 
Brethren, I can confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And he could point at it in Jerusalem. Paul says the same thing. Listen to Paul as he speaks on this. When they'd carried out all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. For many days he appeared to those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled this promise to our children, and that he raised up Jesus as it is written in the second psalm, You're my son, today I have begotten you. As for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, Psalm 16, Paul didn't bother to tell him which one, Thou wilt not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. I can go to the greatest men in the world and go to their tomb, and there's a date and a little dash and another date, and there's a tomb. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. John Stott commented on the silence of the enemies of Christ. These so-called theories about the resurrection, the disciples stole his body away, the swoon theory, Jesus didn't really die. He was pretty beat up and he was, he'd lost a lot of blood and he fainted. But when they put him in that cool tomb, he revived. That kind of folly, that's what people come up with. That's the folly of unbelief, saying that sort of John tells us they wrapped him in a hundred pounds worth of spices and bound him. And he just woke up and got out of there, the swoon theory. No, these are folly. But they give people an excuse to hang their hat on, kind of. And John Stott said the very silence of the enemies of Christ is really more eloquent than the witness of the apostles. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that, but I know what he's saying. Why didn't they just say, no, here's his body? Because it wasn't there. The resurrection of Jesus Christ leaves us without excuse. Paul stood up at Athens and said, God has furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Unbelief will be stubborn and willful. But if God touches your heart today and you see, no, this Jesus rose from the dead just like he said he would, don't hesitate. Come to him. He'll forgive you for your unbelief. He'll forgive you for your immorality. He'll forgive you for everything. That's why he came. You've been listening to Abide in the Word with Pastor Scott Gilchrist. Please stay with us. Pastor Scott will return in just a moment with a preview of our next broadcast. Today's program was titled, Go Quickly and Tell, a message from our study of the Gospel of Matthew. If you missed a portion of the message heard on the program today, or you'd like to share it with a friend, head on over to AbideInTheWord.us. A free copy of today's entire message is available there for you to stream or download at your convenience. If you've ever wanted Pastor Scott's sermon library in the palm of your hand, we have a new app available called the Abide app. It's available in both the Apple App Store and the Google Play Store. 
Along with the sermon library, you'll also find Scott's written publications, biblical seminars on a variety of subjects, daily devotional videos, this radio program, and the Abide Method, a monthly Bible reading and writing plan developed by Scott to give you the opportunity to read and write out Scripture. These resources all come free within the app, so if you're looking to deepen your relationship with Christ, please consider downloading the Abide app in either the Apple or Google App Stores. We'd love to get this valuable resource into your hands. If you don't have a church home in the area, Pastor Scott would love to invite you to join us in person for our Sunday worship services at Southwest Bible Church. That's each Sunday morning at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at the church located at the corner of Southwest Murray and Weir Road in Beaverton. You can go to our website at swbible.org for more details. We hope to see you there. Now, before we end our time today, let's go to Pastor Scott for a preview of our next broadcast. Many people had been impacted by Jesus Christ. The whole nation listened to John. They thought he was maybe the Christ. And then John said, no, I'm not him, but I'm pointing you to the one who is. There were hundreds of people who had met Jesus Christ and were actually, from the baptism of John all the way, I don't know how many were in this category, but they didn't have any trouble. Verse 23, they put forward two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, who is also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, Lord, who knows the heart of all men, show which one of these two you have chosen to occupy this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they drew lots for them, and the lot fell to Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. God saw to it that there were 12 official witnesses. Join us again next time as we continue in our study of the Gospel of Matthew. Pastor Scott will bring a message titled, The Resurrection from the Dead. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. 